My Biggest Sales Enablement Mistake, a podcast by Eva Enable. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of My Biggest Sales Enablement Mistake podcast, where we're sharing common mistakes and experiences from a variety of guests so others can learn from them. Right, today I'm pretty pretty damn excited. Actually, I am literally so excited I could crush a grape because I'm joined by Mr. Bit. This is a big one, right? I'm going to build up to this, everybody. Mr. Business Impact, the king of sales velocity himself. Two times, not one time, two times sales enablement collective ones to watch. And the founder, and this is the really exciting thing, founder of a brand new sales enablement consulting company called Sales Velocity Lab which, as I say, is, is probably the most exciting part. Welcome, Kunal Panja. Thank you, Kate. I mean, how can I live up to that uh, billing? I'm not sure, but we'll give it a shot. So appreciate you having <laughs> if, me. If this, if this E4 Enable gig doesn't work out for me, I'm like pitching at a Radio 2 breakfast show kind of vibe. <laughs> I think this is my future. <laughs> it's the intro person. Um, well, look, thank you for joining us today, everybody. We're going to be talking about and exploring with Kunal the pitfalls of random acts of enablement. Um, we've heard that term bandied about, but let's get really into the nitty gritty of it. So, Kunal, let me kickstart by saying anyone who hasn't been living under a rock will know that you're a huge fan of measuring enablement. Uh, I'd refer back to my comment around your title of King of Sales Velocity, um, and I'm sure we'll get onto that. But today, I want you to go right back to where it all started. I want, to, I want you to go back to the beginning of your journey and how you navigated and came to, to the journey that, that has taken you to where you are today. Where did it all start, Canal? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I won't go back too many years here, but I'll go back to, to the journey of, uh, of my career at UserZoom, let's say, uh, where I was leading uh, the, the revenue enablement function there. And when I, when I started at, at UserZoom, um, I guess a mistake that pretty much every enabler has made at some point in their career, right, um, is they start to understand, well, what, what, are, what are the key priorities of this business? What are we trying to achieve? And, and one of the first things they do is obviously start speaking to people. They, they will speak to sales leadership um, and uh, trying to understand from them, well, what, are, what are your biggest challenges? What are your biggest point points? Essentially running discovery, right? Um, yeah. They'll also speak to uh, the individual contributors and, and start to understand from them, you know, what are the key pain points that you're seeing? You know, what, what, what are your sort of, what's in your wish list almost? And then, and then we'll come back and then we'll kind of put all that together and, and say, well, which, which things, which challenges got mentioned the most? Right. And or, or worse still, who shouted about the challenges the loudest? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. That's familiar. And I'm, I'm sure we have all in enablement made that mistake. Now, that was one mistake that, of course, I have done right, in, in other enablement roles for, for other companies. Um, and and the, the, the problem with this is, you know, it's not just about when you join a new company. I think, I think even established enablers and existing companies you might be defining your enablement program based on that sort of quarterly meeting between yourself mm -hmm. and your sales leadership and, and kind of running that cycle maybe on a quarterly or biannual basis, like whatever that period is. 
but it's the same thing, right? And and we know what the problem with this mistake is. It's um, not, none of it has been justified or rationalized based on essentially what we're all here to do in a sales function, which is to deliver revenue impact, right? That correlation isn't there. Um, so so from my perspective, you know, we have to remove this way of working. It's, it's doing us no favors. It kind of buckets us all in this category of operational enablement. Mm-hmm. Um, it devalues us. Uh, and, um, and ultimately, if, if we're not measuring what we're doing according to revenue outcomes, then um, it puts us at risk, right? As we're seeing so much in, in the market today. So, um, so my story really started at, at UserZoom where I said, okay, I'm not gonna do random access enablement here. No way, this is not gonna happen. And so I, I did the, let's speak to the sales leadership, let's speak to the ICs and let's, let's find out what, what people are talking about and, and how things are. But I also started to measure um, the, the four levers of sales velocity uh, at the company. And, and, I, and essentially one of the things I did was to benchmark um, exactly where sales velocity was for this, for this company. And use that as a way of predicting and almost forecasting um, based on the trends where we might end up if we change nothing. Right? Yeah. Now, at the same time, my, my CRO was, was talking to me and saying, we've got to fix onboarding. We want to do onboarding. We need you to prioritize onboarding. And I looked at them and I said, okay, we could, we could do onboarding. You know, you're clearly the boss. Um, and that's something that we can, we can certainly implement. But what the, the levers of sales velocity are telling me is we've got a bigger problem when it comes to our top of funnel pipeline and, and the number of qualified opportunities appearing in the top of that funnel. And if we did nothing about this, then this is going to impact us massively towards the end of the year. Right. Um, yeah. You know, it strikes me in something that, that yeah. you just talked about there, and I think it's, mm-hmm. it, it's worth calling out is when 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 I'm onboarding new salespeople, actually, I and then they say, "What what does sales enablement like? What's their world like? What 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 talk to me about it?" And I say, "Okay, it's a little bit like Spider Man, but different. They've got all of the responsibility, but very little power." Mm-hmm. And what you've just talked about there is that power dynamic, right? So rather than it being, "Look, your responsibility is just to go improve everything, or go and do onboarding, or or go and do something." And, and most, most sales enablement would say, okay, right, I'm going to go do that because they don't have that right power dynamic, that right power balance between and confidence and data and understanding to mm. say, no, do you know what? Actually, if I'm responsible for this and that's where I'm going to be, I, I would suggest a different place to play. And I yeah. think that's a big shift actually that we're seeing and, and it's a big mistake that a lot of enablement make and, and it's really interesting that you call that out that you said do you know what that's great but hang on a minute what if we don't fix this yeah absolutely that's exactly it and um when that time came and, and i was presenting that strategy to the, the entire sales leadership it was borderline a no-brainer right um, there was a little bit of justification to be done, a little bit of mm-hmm. clarification, but it was almost a no-brainer, which is, this is why uh, this strategy is, is what it is. This is the impact we intend to make. And if we don't do it this way, this is where we're going to end up. Right? Yeah. Um, it was one of the easiest conversations I've had when it came to actually proposing a strategy, right? Because, because that strategy, you had the data, yeah. because you had, had the understanding, yeah. I had the data to back it up, absolutely. 
Um, and the data told a story, right? That's the most important thing. You kind of translate that, that data into a story that everybody understands, whether that's your sales leadership, whether that's business executives, whether that's a CFO, mm-hmm. right? Around the business value and the impact of that enablement strategy. That's what it came down to. And so, yeah. Yeah. It's so important to do that, isn't it? Yeah, I was talking to somebody the other day, and in fact, there's two things I want to say here. One is is that kind of root cause analysis in the first place, which is that why keep stepping back with them from why, which is so so important, because you know you do get that that. And I'm going to pick up something you said: the the the, the loudest shouters get the most attention. And and I was yeah. talking to somebody the other day, and they said, look, as an enablement team, we've been asked to do some negotiation training. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do some negotiation training. We're going to go spend a load of money getting people in that are specialists in negotiation. And I was like, right, well, why are you doing negotiation training? Well, because that's what the sales team has said that they're really lacking. And it, it, we walked back through all the data and kind of went, do you know what? It, it's not negotiation training. It's really, really, really earlier on in the sales cycle because you're not getting the right people in the room and articulating value to those people and getting them involved. That, that's, the, that's the bit that's actually different, not, not the yeah. bit at the end of the cycle. And so that's, that's really interesting um, that that's yeah. come up multiple times. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, and that's exactly the scenario. And, and ultimately, what you know, using this method, what, what I was able to do was, one, Make sure that the, the the definition of the enablement strategy was aligned to the business strategy, right? And that clear correlation of that alignment was was visible, right? That was the first thing. The second thing was um, that the priorities within that enablement strategy were were such that hit hit the low hanging fruit first, right? Um, and we can we can talk about one of those one of those key priorities as well. But the third aspect was it allowed us to to get buy in from those stakeholders. Yeah. And, and and we all know how hard anything is without getting that that buy-in, right? especially in enablement, because you're, it's just an uphill struggle, you're, you're pushing this, this big thing up a, up a hill, and ultimately you're probably gonna fail, right? Mm-hmm. It won't stick mm-hmm. uh, without that buy-in. So it, 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 it captured that, but it also painted a picture of a promised land, right? That, and, and the gap between that promised land and kind of where you are today. Yeah. Right? Um, and, and so that, that, that story was compelling, right? And then once you have that, it's a case of, okay, I'm not just committing to doing this um, and achieving that promised land, but let's measure the outcome as well at the end of the day and see, and see did, we, did we do it? And you know what, it, that's, a, that's a tricky one because that's, a, that's something that introduces risk, right? Uh, in terms of credibility, in terms of your performance and all these kinds of things. But um, if it works, um, things can fly. Right. Yeah, and and how, how, that, how that's done, it's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation between, you know, um, the, the, the promised land and what you actually did, did, but was there an impact? Was there a business impact? How do we measure that? And even if it's like worst case scenario, um, did it deliver? So, so yeah, it really helped in all of those aspects. And all of those things are about taking your enablement function outside of a operational function into a more strategic function. So I'm interested. You talk. You're talking a lot around um, numbers there, around the the sales velocity. So just for those listening, give me a quick lowdown for everybody that's listening on the sales velocity calculation. So you talk about the the four levers. Just just run through them for for anyone that hasn't come across them before. Sure. Yeah. So the four levers of sales velocity are the number of qualified opportunities in your pipeline mm-hmm. um, at, at any given period of time. 
your average deal values, your average win rate, and your average length of sales cycle. Um, now those four components are essentially the, the only four factors that imp impact how much you sell. There's a bunch of other things that fall below it, but those are the four primary factors. And when you convert that to an equation, which is essentially multiply your opportunities by, by your deal value, by your win rate, and divide the result by your length of sales cycle, it spits out a number. And that number is your rate of sales velocity, which is essentially your rate of revenue on a periodic basis. Okay. All right. So now everybody understands that. One of the things I think that lots of people make the mistake and, and actually kind of almost give up at this point, they go, yeah, but I can't just say, go, go build bigger deals, go, mm. you know, bring more qualified opportunities, go shorten the sales cycle. What did you do next mm. to avoid that kind of stalemate of, well, gosh, how do we actually now, how do we as enablement impact that? And, and not do the random acts of enablement? How do we actually get that, that going? Yeah, I love that question because it's, uh, it's so important. And it's one of, the, one of the primary reasons why enablers may veer away from doing this is because of the risk of damage to credibility. You can't connect an enablement program direct to increasing revenue, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the important thing to, to, to know is if you were to start with the revenue impact you're trying to make, or that's needed, right? And that typically comes from your, your sales leadership. And, and take another layer down, which are, which are those four levers of sales velocity, right? The only four factors that impact how much you sell. But then there's a middle layer, right? And it's important to understand this middle layer because like I say, the, the, the programs are not gonna directly impact velocity, but the programs will, will impact the behaviors or the competencies that connect and drive those levers of sales velocity, right? Yeah. So it's it's all about correlation. If you can figure out that correlation, um, you can connect the dots between your enablement programs and strategy, that middle layer of behavioral attributes and competencies to the impact of sales velocity. So what, what I actually did was, um, because I found that opportunities was something that uh, we were, we were going to struggle with, right? If, if we did nothing about it, um, I use that as a way to, to start to define, well, okay, what, are the, what is that middle layer, right? Mm -hmm. Essentially, essentially what, I, what I found was our sales development team, um, SDRs essentially, um, were probably lacking the, the relevant competencies in order to drive that specific lever, right? Um, so, so one of the first things I did was to, to define an enablement strategy, an enablement program which said, okay, the first thing I'm gonna do is, is understand what are the competence levels of this team, Yeah. right? Um, and it was a pain because we're talking about 40, 50 people, first of all. Um, and for each one, there was a collection of, I think maybe 15 to 18 competencies. All different things like, you know, ability to handle objections, ability mm -hmm. to qualify, um, you know, those the, the skill-based competencies, but also the procedural ones, um, things like um, how to uh, capture the information into, into the CRM and yeah. how to ha hand over a meeting, you know, those process-based things, down to the behavioral things, you know, ability to listen, um, the ability to, um, to communicate clearly, to, 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 to speak passionately, all these kinds of things right, that you would have as, as more behavioral based competences, curiosity and ability to learn, all these kind of things. So we, we compiled a list um, of all of those competencies. And then we decided to assess the performance 
um, of our teams against those competencies. And essentially the way we did that was three kind of benchmarks. The first benchmark was for each competency, um, let's just say we've got a one to five scoring system. What is the minimum we want somebody to be achieving for a certain role? And we had three different roles within this SDR team. Yeah. So then, so now we had three sets of competency frameworks. Although some of the competencies were common, um, three ways of rating them, right? Because the, 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 the enterprise SDRs may have a one particular rating for a set of competencies. Mm -hmm. The more strategic SDRs will have something else and the enterprise and maybe the senior SDRs would have something else. Um, so we put that framework together and uh, define exactly what it takes to be a good SDR for each role. Um, so the first, the first criteria was the benchmarking. Where, where do we want you to be at the minimum? The second criteria was, where do you assess yourself as an SDR? Where do you think you, you fall? And then the third criteria was, where does your manager think you fall? Yeah. We built all of this in a spreadsheet, essentially, um, <laughs> <laughs> which was a spreadsheet hell, uh, because you can I imagine like the, the amount of- spreadsheet gymnastics is is a, um, <laughs> or is it hell it's spreadsheet hell yeah yeah th th this one was burning and it was hot and you, you <laughs> just stay away from it um and um yeah it was it was a it was a pain it, it was a pain but we had to get it done right mm -hmm. the outcome was incredible though the outcome was once we got it done and by the way getting it done was hard because we had to chase people we had to get people to fill things in into either the spreadsheet or Via, via sort of Google Google Forms where we were capturing mm -hmm. you know the, the rating data and manipulating that and copying and pasting it into a master spreadsheet and putting it all together and uh, <laughs> hence hence that should help. Um, <laughs> but, but once we did it, the results were astounding because we found that first of all, um, uh, the SDRs evaluated themselves at a certain level, which was just below the benchmark we'd set as a minimum requirement, right? The managers had assessed them far below where the SDRs thought they were. And obviously so already away. a disconnect, yeah. Already, already a disconnect, right? And that was so visible from, from the beginning. Um, and then the, the third aspect was um, the, the SDRs uh, rating was, was far below um, the actual minimum benchmark that we had set. So, so clearly there was work to do. There was a disconnect between the reps and the managers. Mm -hmm. And and thirdly, oh, sorry, most importantly, we found a common collection of competencies that had the biggest gaps, right? So we were literally able to identify what are the key competencies where we have the biggest gaps. And, yeah. and those competencies were something around, around the lines of the ability to to describe the narrative, the pitch, essentially. Yeah. Um, the ability to outline the value proposition. Um, I think the third was around the ability to listen, right? The listening skill competency. And the fourth was around uh, establishing credibility using customer stories. All of those okay. things were con connected, right? Because to pitch um, and to essentially deliver a good story, you need to be listening. Right? You need to ask questions and, and listen and not to listen with the intent to move to the next question, but listen with the intent to understand and go deeper. Only by doing that, you can tell a relevant story, right? So those are the two mm -hmm. competencies there. The, the, the third one around the value proposition, right? Again, by listening, 
you understand what the real value drivers are for the for the for the company you're talking to. So yeah, you connect and you're the positioning dots. it in the right place. Yeah, and you're positioning it the right way at the right time for the right person as well. Yeah, yeah. And then, and lastly, when it comes to the being able to tell a customer story, that's how you underline your credibility in that pitch. Right, you, you end it off, and and we found that okay, that's pretty important to us. Right, that's that's possibly one of the key reasons as to why we're seeing the trend we're seeing when it came to the opportunity lever as part of self velocity. And was that a surprise? Was that was it? It kind of known, or was it felt? Was it a surprise? Were you focusing, or, or, or prior to you doing this exercise, was it felt it was in somewhere else, um, or was it just like, look, we we don't know. I think. It, we, we had gut feeling, right? Mm-hmm. But gut feeling is the source of random acts of enablement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> right? So coin that phrase. <laughs> I should. Um, but we come full circle now, right? Yeah. What we were trying to avoid was random acts of enablement. So yes, we had a gut feeling, but not only did this ratify that gut feeling, it validated it because each manager in that team basically, yeah, this is it. Yeah. This is why we are struggling. This is why we what we need to improve upon. So and I, yeah. and I guess that didn't just give you the the fact that you've got these gaps, right? It then gave you the the actual measurable starting point that you can say we now know where we've got to improve. So rather than that again in six months time going we've got a general gut feel that things are better. You can now say, well, look, I can do that exercise again and demonstrate that it's got better Mm -hmm. and it's actually had, and that, and there lies the correlation, right? Absolutely. Correlation is king, right? I keep saying that. Um, And um, that's exactly what we did. Ultimately, I use the visibility and transparency of this this data, this, this competency data, um, which which was hard work to, to get done manually, right? In order to justify the next course of action. Now, all of this is great, right? You know, being able to identify these competencies, building that framework in the first place, identify the and assess performance against them is great, but it's nothing without actually developing a plan to do something about it, Yeah. right? So that was the next step for us. Um, now, because of the impact that I'd measured Right, right early on, right from day one of not doing this, I knew what the cost of that would be. Right. And I was able to use that again, coming full circle to be able to justify investing in doing something about those core competencies we'd found. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, I think it was a it was a pretty much a one-man band, right, in terms of uh, sales enablement at user zoom. Yeah. I couldn't I couldn't solve for this on my own. Um, I, we had to 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 partner. With, with, with other companies to, to solve for some of these things. So we actually partnered with a, with a training uh, a company to who targeted these specific competencies and built a, a three month program um, and executed against that program to, to solve for it. Uh, it wasn't just a, a one-off training, we built an environment for that learning. Um, we built multiple workshops, sessions, rediscovery sessions, but also enforcement from a manager perspective. Right. How does the manager coach against these things and how did it observe and mm-hmm. feedback? That lasted three months. Um, by the way, if I was to say kind of, when did I start at UserZoom? I started in June, 2021. Sorry, January, 2021, right, right at the beginning. 
the, the competency framework is really executed around June time. So among other things, there were obviously lots of things going on, but it took yeah. us six months to get there. Why? Because of the, the amount of manual effort. Yeah. Six months had gone, right? We, we executed the, the plan to solve for these competency gaps around September, September to December. So that's a whole year, essentially, right, of us mm -hmm. discovering this, putting all this together, putting the frameworks together, then actually doing something about it. Um, and by that point in time, our trend line for that opportunity lever as part of sales velocity was, was heading downwards, right? It was in decline. Now, what I think changed again was when I ran those sales velocity figures in the forecast for the following year, right? Up the January, 2022, we saw that trend line starting to rise. Um, and not only did it, did, it, did it rise, but I could see how much it rose by. Mm -hmm. there's, there's my ROI, right? And I use that ROI to prove not just um, what, we, what we did as an exercise, but also prove what if we could have done it quicker? What if we could have done it in the first six months? What, what would it have been worth to us? You're, you're talking about measuring in millions, yeah. right? Um, so not only, not only have I proven the value of enablement, right? An ROI-centric enablement function, but I've also proven the value of and the return of, of, a, of, an, of an activity, of a program within that strategy, which allowed me to justify spending more money um, on one building out the enablement team so we can do more of this, these things, but buying platforms to allow us to scale what we did with the SDR team to the entire revenue, sales and revenue function, mm -hmm. right? Because we saw the value, we saw the credibility, but what if we could do that in not just uh, over a course of a year, but in three months? Yeah. And in, not in three months, in weeks, right? That's the power. Um, so that's what we did. Oh, that's phenomenal. What's in all of that? There's loads of learnings I've taken from that. And for mm -hmm. those of you listening, I think having the the confidence in the first place to to challenge the initial um, status quo, if you like, and saying I I don't actually think this is where we should focus. I think we should have a data driven approach to understanding where we should focus. I don't want to do that random approach. Having mm -hmm. that understanding of, of as a kind of metrics that are, are fundamental to the success of your organization and then making that link back and, and, and then the learning along the way of being able to look back and say well do you know what how could we do that faster how could we do that better and and creating an actual measurable outcome that you know and I love the phrase you said you know we're talking about millions here that, that and that's the reality of the situation and I think do you know what the biggest thing that I've taken from everything you just sold there um, that, that you've just talked about there is that enablement has this enormous capacity to make significant impact. Yeah. That they are not without power, that they do not carry all the responsibility without power, but in fact, they have a, a, a privileged position in order to actually change outcomes. Um, and, and I really appreciate you taking us through today, this, the journey that you've been on, you know, over the last few years uh, uh, to get to where you are today. Um, and, and I know that, well, I know from talking to you lots, you know, actually, that I could talk to you about this all day, every day. <laughs> um, but as a podcast, we're, we'll, we'll wrap it up. However, I know that lots of other people uh, on today's, uh, listening to today's session are going to want to know more. So. How do they get in touch with you? How do they, you know, 
tap you up to get all of the things that you've done and actually help them execute in a very similar manner. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing I'd say is, is number one, I, I'm extremely passionate about the enablement function and passionate about elevating its profile, ensuring that it has a seat at the top table, um, mm -hmm. ensuring that what we've seen over the last few months where enablers have just been cut uh, from, the, from the business and not just enablers, but entire functions have been cut, yeah. doesn't happen again, right? So I am more than happy to speak to anybody who kind of wants to start on this journey um, or perhaps are already on that journey, but wants to accelerate it. Um, and I'm more than happy to speak, speak to you. You can reach me via LinkedIn. Um, so you can find me on there or um, the, the company that I founded. Uh, which is salesvelocitylabs.com. Um, and you'll see me talking about all of the things we've just been going through here and, and more uh, through there. Brilliant. Thank you. And thank you so much for sharing that journey. And I hope everybody uh, listening to today's session got somebody from, uh, something from that, as I'm sure they will. That is uh, a wrap for another episode of my Biggest Sales Enablement Mistake podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next one. Thanks very much.